Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Big game tonight. Big game tonight. Who who is uh, Chiefs? Got the Chiefs tonight. All right. All right. Who in here has got the uh, Patriots? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm just used to saying that this time of of year, sorry, be praying for, praying for those uh, Patriot fans, okay, um, because it, they got a long, you know, they're, they're a great team, right, but they're great cheaters, they're about to experience like a, a, a decade of, sorry, sorry, we got a residence Patriots fan over there, uh, Niners fans, Niners fans, okay, okay, all right, all right, we'll see how it goes, I'm a Missouri native, so I got, I'm, I'm all in on, on Chiefs, so I'm, I'm excited, no, it's going to be a good game. Um, I, the big, I used to play high school football. Um, I was still little. Um, there I am, number 10. Those shoulder pads were bigger than, than I was. But the biggest game I ever played in my life uh, was my junior year. We were uh, the last game of the season, last game of the regular season, but it was a district championship. Also at stake was conference championship, and we were playing our hated rivals, the Warrington Warriors. And we were very equally matched. Whoever uh, won this not only got bragging rights, which was really bigger than everything else, but you got the trophies, the championships, and, and everything was on the line. And so the game was back and forth in the, in, in the uh, first half. Um, I think it, we were up 14-7. to 7. I can't remember exactly, but I do remember one play specifically. It was the last play before halftime, and I'm this little bitty uh, cornerback playing defense, and I have no idea why, but I wasn't thinking at the time. But there's one play left. They're on about the... Uh, 30-yard line, so they got like 70 yards to go, and so they got one option, like throw the Hail Mary as long as you can and go. Well, I, for some reason, decided to man up on my guy, like real close instead of playing way back, which is what you're supposed to do. Anyway, um, so I'm running with the guy, and they teach you when you're running with your receiver, the play's going, you're running with him, look at his eyes, because when his eyes light up, that means the ball's coming. So I'm running with my guy, I'm with him step for step, I see his eyes light up. So I turn to look for the ball. I don't see the ball. And I hear this crowd go, yeah! And I turn around, and there's my guy with the ball running into the end zone. I, I, I dive, nothing, can't catch him. And so we go into halftime, huge momentum swing. I think we're, we're tied or down or something. like It's real close, but the momentum had swung. And one thing you know, when you're a cornerback and you give up a touchdown, Everybody knows who's the guilty party. Like, there's nobody else. You're like, oh, no, it's, it's the cornerback who was guarding the guy, and he totally missed the play. That was it. So I go into the halftime. I'm crying. You know, our, our guys were frustrated, and nobody's really picking on me, but I let the team down. So the coaches, first thing they do, they get in there and go, break, get in the office. Yes, sir. So I get in the office. And these coaches, they looked at me. They said, Get your head up. We need you. We need you in the second half. You're a good player. It's one play. I need you to have a short memory. Forget that. It happened. It's done. Let's move forward. We need you. Yes, sir. Get back out there. And we ended up winning the game. I only remember one other play in the second half, and it was me blocking a pass. I did my job. I did what I needed to do. Nobody else on my team probably ever remembers those two plays, but I do. I do. I remember they were, they were very sig significant in me. We're going to talk about guilt today. We're going to talk about shame today. 
as we start a brand new series today. You guys got the invite cards. You can invite someone. After God's own heart. And we're going to go to some places in this series that are tough. Guilt is one of those areas where we're going to take a guilt trip today. And no one's like, oh yeah, I want to go talk about my shame and guilt. But I'm telling you, if you would stick with us in these five weeks, if you would take the next steps that God challenges you to take in these next five weeks, you're going to be a person after God's own heart. You're going to see Him do some things in your life. You're going to see that victory that you've been wanting in your life, but you're going to have to get up in the second half. Get your head up. I need you to have a short memory. I need you. You're a good player. God, God has a purpose and a plan for you, so let's take these steps and let's go get that victory. This is, this is what King Solomon says in Proverbs. This is going to be kind of a theme verse throughout the, the, the series. He says, guard your heart above all else. That's a pretty bold statement. Above everything else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. And we're going to talk about this. Basically, the idea is what's inside comes out. What's inside there comes out. So if you're like, whoa, where did that come from? I don't, you know, it, was, it was inside. And so we're going to take a look at some of those things that might be coming out so we can get to the heart of the issue. Above all else, guard your heart. You're like, Mike, is this really necessary? Like, I, I know he says it's important, but do I really, like some of these things that might be challenging, am I going to really need to do these? Well, if you want to go live on a desert island somewhere, maybe not. But if you want to live in relationship with other people, if you want intimacy, if you, if you want to be known, we all this, we, like if you are going to be in relationship and love other people, then yes, these are going to be very high priorities in our lives that we need to work on. Today we're going to talk about guilt. And all of us, all of us, we deal with this, we feel guilt. Why? Because we, we're guilty. <laughs> We've done something uh, dumb. We've made some mistakes. And when I say guilty, and I say we've done some dumb stuff, like we've all done something dumb. Like uh, I remember one time, I'm not Mr. Fix-It. I'm not a construction person. But our water heater, the pilot light went out on the water heater. And so I, I know how to light the pilot light on the water heater only this time like you press a button and then this one was a little bit tricky you had to get the match or the lighter in there just right and it was pretty far in you couldn't quite see you you'd press the button and then it would light well for some reason I just couldn't get it and I'm, I'm getting frustrated I'm starting to, to, to talk talk bad about this water heater I'm pressing the the gas light button and I'm sticking and it's not doing anything so genius idea you know what and I'm getting frustrated so I'm not I'll just press the button a whole lot, get a whole lot of gas out, get the lighter, get it lit, and then stick it in there. Yeah. Whoa, boof! Explosion, fireball in my face. I come into the room looking at, like, Wiley Coyote to Rita. She's like, what's going on? I got, you could smell my, the hair on my, on my arm got singed. Like, I'm lucky. It was real dumb. I'm lucky nothing worse happened than just a, a silly story, but... Um, We've done some dumb stuff, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a, uh, a false guilt that some people carry where they just feel guilty all the time. I knew someone who, uh, 
they had an air conditioner in the house, but they would never turn it on because they felt guilty about all the people in the world who suffered, who didn't have an air conditioner and were suffering the heat. And so they felt guilty about putting it, turning on the air conditioner. I'm not talking about some sort of false guilt. I'm not talking about we have this label for moms, mom guilt. I'm not, I'm not talking about a, a guilt that you have because you didn't buy organic food or, or that you, you locked yourself in the closet this week for a few minutes just to get some space. I'm not talking about the mom guilt. I'm not talking, you know, you got an epidural or, or you went to the park this week, but you had your phone out. I'm not talking about that type of mom guilt or that you didn't cherish every single moment with your child this week. Give yourself a break, okay? Where's our moms at in the room? Can we just give our moms a round of applause, okay? You, I'm not talking about mom guilt, though. I'm talking about the fact that you, you hurt somebody. I'm talking about that you, you did something. You took something. I'm talking, some of y'all got, still got the church face on. Okay, get church face off. That thing. Like if I told you, unlock your phone, hand it to your spouse, and let them scroll through your search history. That thing. That spring break trip way back when? Those things that we're going to take to the grave with us, but they're secretly taking us to the grave. We're all, we feel guilty because we are guilty. The Bible says it very simply like this. For everyone has sinned, but we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Golly, Mike, thanks a lot. If you're a guest here, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. <laughs> like, what is this place? You've already dropped the S-bomb in like the first five minutes. Sin, I'm guilty. Like, this is a, this is a fun guilt trip we're, we're going on here. Well, listen, we got to go to a dark place. If we're going to break free, if we're, I mean, I, this is what, I don't want church to just be a game and we just cover things up. I want to talk about real stuff. And, and for a lot of us, we, we, as we see, we got to go to a dark place to see what it is that we're talking about. What is that? That thing. What is that for you? You have it. But if we're going to break free from that, we've got to travel there. We've got to see what's causing that, and then we can move forward. Here's what guilt does. I'm going to go through four things if you're taking notes on what guilt does. First is it creates a debt. Guilt creates an I owe you. I owe you to God. Scripture also says, hey, for the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We're going to talk about that more. But some of us, we, we grew up with this false belief of God, of, of I call him guilt God. Like, I remember the first time as, uh, in, in elementary school, the first time I got exposed to pornography. And I, and I saw it, and as, a, as a, a young boy, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. At the same time, it's like, ah, something, something feels dirty here. Something feels wrong, like something's not right. And then continuing on in the middle school, in high school, and into college, when I would look again, and I would look again, and I would look again, I had this idea, this belief that there was this God. Not that it was okay, I'm not going to, but God was after to get me. Like, I, I had this idea that guilt God, he was like, he knew. Mike, you're never going to have sex in your life. 
you're, you're never going to get married because of what you did. You're, if you have a kid, God's going to kill that kid because of what you did. Guilt God is after you. Now, some of you, you walked away from church, and let me say good, because you, you grew up with guilt God, and you're like, I, I, this doesn't make sense. Good, because that's not the God of Christianity. Guilt God does not exist. But I grew up with this mindset of, and there's a truth, there's a payment for sin. We're going to talk about that payment. But also, there's an IOU to the people that you hurt. We, we, we even have phrases for this. You owe them an apology. You owe. Or if you're angry, which we're going to talk about next week, I'm going to get even. There's a debt. There's an imbalance. And, and it needs to be paid on that. Guilt creates a debt, but that's not how we experience guilt. We experience guilt not as a debt, but as a weight that we carry. It is something that, that we carry around in our bags. I did this thing, and we experience this more as a weight. David, King David, Solomon's dad, someone who was described after God's own heart, who, if you read about the life of David, man, he screwed up big time. Murder, adultery. Like, David wouldn't get hired on at a church staff today. But this is a guy that was described as someone after God's own heart. This is, this is real life. And he, he says this. He says, my bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Our guilt, for a lot of us, if we're on, it's tormenting us. And so we have baggage that we carry around and, and it's experienced as a weight. And when you hold on to this baggage, it becomes shame. Guilt manifests itself as shame. Where you start to believe this, this starts to become, this baggage starts to become part of our identity. I, I did something bad. I am bad. I was a bad father this week. I am a bad father. Looked in the mirror today. I did not like what I saw. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I've been abused. And they told me that I did deserve what I got. And you know what? I do. I'll take the beatings. I'll take the... The, the, the verbal lashings that I get because I'm such a terrible person. Am I worth it? And we'll pick up all of this baggage of guilt that we carry around and we'll wonder, how can I keep holding this on in our lives, in my life? In fact, I can't give this to you. Like, if I try to unload this and give it to you, I, I, it's just going to send you into orbit too, so I'll just hold on to it. And we'll go from relationship to relationship. We'll, we'll take this into our marriage. We'll take this into our, we'll take our baggage in, and we carry it around like a bag cold. It just, like, we can try to get rid of it, but then it just comes back, and we cling on to our guilt, and it comes out in shame. And shame will manifest itself in many different ways as anger. Many people won't make this connection that your anger is actually that you're ashamed of yourself. You, you've messed up. 
And they, they, can't, they can't hold up to your standards because you can't hold up to your standards. And now you're angry at them and you're lashing out and you're tired at them. Have you ever noticed that some of the most judgmental people that you come across, you don't have to think very far, you don't have to name them, don't name names, but some of the most judgmental people are, are hiding the most. And they'll use that anger and that judgment to, 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 to just mask what they're holding on. But I, I have so much guilt, I want you to like me. I don't want to tell you all this bad stuff. I don't want to show you all this bad stuff. I want you to like me, so all people please. I'll work the list. I'll work, 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 so you'll like me. See how successful I am, but we're still carrying our guilt. I can't give this to you. I don't know that there's really any hope to ever get rid of this baggage. I wonder if I should even live. Is there any hope? Because I don't see any hope when we deal with our shame. Can I give you good news? Now that we've gone to this dark place, hopefully God's starting to speak to you about what that is and what you're holding on to. This, this ain't the way God told you to live life. This is not freedom to carry this around. I remember, well, anytime we go traveling, I'm the donkey in the family in the sense that this is, this is me. And, and my wife made a statement one time as I'm carrying bags, and this is kind of where this story comes from. She goes, hey, you kind of look like a donkey. Carrying this stuff around us. <laughs> and, but she's smart. She knows. She goes, but you look like a sexy donkey too. And I'm like, all right, I'll carry these bags. You know, I'll carry them around. She's smart. She's got the babies. This was oh, several years ago. So she's carrying the little ones around. I'm carrying the bags. We're in the Dallas airport. And, I'm, and donkeys start to get tired. <laughs> and his, she's a few paces in front of me. Donk, donkey's not going to get tired. He's getting a little bit impatient. He's hungry. You know, again, it manifests itself in different ways. But I'm holding on to this, and she, she's ahead of me. She stops, and she goes, what, what are you doing? Why are you, so, why are you so far behind? And I said, the donkey is tired. <laughs> I need a break. And your bodies, and your mind, and your soul is crying out. The donkey is tired. Friends, this is not God's design for your life to carry around the baggage of shame and guilt. There's a better way. There's a better way. I want you to look. This goes back to Genesis chapter 2. The first man and woman. It says, now the man and his wife, they were both naked. They were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, I can't go past that without just mentioning that was a good day for Adam. <laughs> Wakes up, goes to work, names some animals, eats some, some food, takes a nap, wakes up, naked woman. That's awesome. Sorry, I like to joke. You're like... <laughs> It's how I read the Bible. It's there. I mean, it goes from one verse to him, them seeing each other to being united in one flesh. I mean, it's just, it, it happened real fast. But the point is not that. The point is that they felt no shame. And you know this, you were, you were born perfectly okay with who you are. Like my boys right now, four and seven, okay? 
you got to be careful when you, when you come into their zone, into our house, because sometimes, a lot of times, it's whitey-tidy land in our, in, in, with these guys. I mean, they're just running around without any clothing. A few years ago when they were doing potty training, there wasn't even whitey-tidies. It was, you know, if you even saw them pause for a couple seconds, you're like shoving that toilet in front of them like you don't want anything on the carpet or anything. And I remember one time, um, Rita was coming back home, and she pulled into the driveway, and we could see the lights. And before I could say anything to the boys, I look out the window, and the, the door's open, and there's naked little Charlie, his naked little butt, just running across the, the, the driveway to mommy to go say hi. They don't care. There's no shame in being exposed. That exposure is part of God's design. We have these things built in us for intimacy, for trust, for closeness. We want relationships. We're designed for relationships. And part of that is just full exposure emotionally, physically. Yes, praise God. Amen. But in many areas in our lives to just say, I'm open. But that same vulnerability, that same exposure that God created us for in relationships is what will cause you and I to hide. Because if you really saw me for who I am, you may not like me. If you really know what's in my past, you may run. And so we wear the mask. It's Halloween. Day after day, week after week. That's not God's design. He says, well, after they sin. So one verse to go to united into one flesh, six verses to screw it all up. They eat of the fruit, the one thing that God told them not to do. And so what's Adam do? He hides. I heard you walking in the garden. I heard you, God. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. I was exposed. I don't want to be vulnerable. And God, and God says, well, he knows, but he's like, what did you do? Like gives him a chance to confess and own it. The man replied, it was the woman that you gave me. Guys, that's a terrible just don't, don't let that come out of your mouth. I'm telling you, it was that woman. No, it was bad then, it's bad now. And then I ate it. But we'll do this with our guilt. We have a narrative that we create. Well, I was young. I was naive. I mean, there was other people there. I mean, they started it, Right? And you think that's just when you're a teenager. No, 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 no. Oh, if, if she would blah, 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 then maybe I wouldn't be tempted to look at this porn all the time. We, we create a narrative. We want to just stuff it away. We want to ignore what's going on. It's called denial. But that wasn't part of God's design either. There's a solution. There's a solution. Just like a, a, a patient going to a doctor who has a bad heart. The doctor diagnosed, says, hey, if you continue this direction, it's going to go real bad. But hey, there's a solution. I need, you, I need you to eat right. I need you to exercise three times a week. To which the patient would say, no, 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 doc. That's uncomfortable. That's too much. I got a bad heart, doc. I can't exercise three times a week. Plus, have you seen me in spandex? No, thank you. All right. Like fix my heart then I'll do the stuff. To which the doctor would say, you're an idiot. Part of strengthening the heart are habits. 
Part, part of strengthening the heart is to exhaust the muscle, to stress the muscle, to build its strength. And so for each one of these enemies of the heart, this series is based after an Andy Stanley book called Enemies of the Heart. Guilt is one of them. There are exercises and habits that you can put in place that will, you don't have to deny it. You don't have to, to create a narrative. You can live guilt-free, but you got to exercise. And the, the habit to overcome guilt, the exercise that you need to put into your life is simply confession. Guilt grows great in the dark. When you expose it to the light, it starts to lose its grip around your heart and your soul. And so there's three things that I want us to know about confession and, and kind of where you can take this and lead this to. First is confession to God. You confess to God for forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all wickedness. But also, we need to confess to others for healing. And here's why. Because as a young teenager growing up, I had this idea. I found a loophole in this verse. Hey, just confess to God. Lay your head at bed at night. Say, well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And oh, by the way, God, if I did something that I don't even know was wrong, can you just forgive that too? And now that I got you off my back, God, because this is just about conscious relief, uh, it's like ibuprofen, just take the edge off. I'll go do it all again tomorrow. And then I'll repeat the same prayer tomorrow. And my silent confession to God fueled my secret sin. There was no healing. The guilt was still there. I wouldn't even call that what that, like you confess to God for forgiveness of sins. If it's genuine, he, he forgives you. I was making it a game, okay? That, that's not true, true confession. But also scripture says this, confess to others for healing. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. Now, I hate the Bible sometimes. This is one of my most hated verses. No way, no thank you. But it's there. Sometimes it's so painfully obvious and clear. You want healing. You want life change. I'm not talking about just prayer for healing, like physical healing. You want to get healed of this addiction? Bring it to light to others. This is why you get into a, a, a connect group. Go do life with people. You're like, but I don't know anyone in this connect group. I'm like, I'm just getting to know people. I get that, all right? That's why you need to get in one now because it takes time to build relationships. And if you wait until tomorrow, you're still going to be waiting. It takes time. And also the way we've designed our connect groups, you meet every other week. It's not so that you can just take a whole week off in between. Use that week off as an opportunity to find that one person you do connect with in your group and really build relationships. You may not blast this to everybody in the group. You don't have to tell everyone everything. Don't go to Facebook today and say, well, I've been cheating on my wife for the past 40 years, everybody. I've confessed. No, that's, no, no. But please tell someone something. It's important. You're like, okay, good, good, good. I'll just go to the pastor and I'll tell him. That's, don't do that. That's an awkward conversation at Smith's. You're, you're, trying, you're telling me your dirty laundry and I'm trying to get milk and the eggs, all right? Like, and I, jo I joke, I joke. I, I'm open to talking, but here's again why I say this and why I want to push you to connect groups. Even in a small church that, of our size, 
it's too many. I can't, I, I, I can't have a relationship with everybody here. You need to get to know somebody. And that's going to happen with connect groups outside. All right? It's not about confessing to a pastor or to God. That's probably going to fuel it even more. You need someone who's going to love you, care for you, pray for you, hold you accountable, to, to, to challenge you. And that's going to happen out these doors with other people. And you'll start to find that maybe that finds healing. But maybe not. Because there's one other confession that you might need to make. This maybe, this is a little bit hard, but I, I want you to see this. Because God wasn't the only offended party with what you did. See, confession isn't about mind relief. All right? It's not in there at all. Confession is about life change, and it's also about reconciliation. There's someone you hurt. And, and Scripture says it like this. This is Jesus' own words. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, at church, and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go be reconciled, there it is, to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. The purpose of confession is life change and reconciliation. You're like, Mike, that is awkward. That's really inconvenient. Like maybe I'll just wait till they, like if we chance encounter then maybe I'll see that as a sign from God. Is that what he says? No, he says, go. You go find that person, make it right. Mike, that was like so long ago. Like they don't even probably remember. Make it right. But I, if I confess this, they may not even receive it. They may be angry. They, they may run. There's going to be consequences. You can't control what they do. If God's given you a directive, you, just, you own it. I did this. I can't change any of it. But I'm going to do my part to do whatever I can to make it right. Now, they can do with that whatever they want. You have no control over that. But you have, that's them. Flip it around. Take the guilt trip on, in reverse order. Who's the person that owes you? Who, who's the, what would, that person who took something from you, who owes you something, what if they were to come back? What would you want them to say? Chances are, your ability to own it and confess and say, I'm going to try to make it right, it may not, it may not make everything, oh, just all reconciled and everything's hunky-dory. But if you really, if you don't get defensive, Chances are you taking that first step. Someone's waiting on you to take the first step because they're holding on to bitterness. They're holding on to unforgiveness and anger. And your first step might be their first step to overcoming some of those emotions in their heart as well to unlock some things. Confession. Confession is not about conscious relief. It's about life change and reconciliation. Now, I see a lot of somber faces right now. This is supposed to be a message of hope. This is hard stuff. But if you understand things in the context of eternity, you're thinking about things in temporary land. But in the context of eternity, your, your heavenly Father says, I don't want you to live this way with this baggage. Our temptation is to say, no, Mike, that's too much. I can't do it. I'm going to hold on to this. And you'll carry it to the grave. But this is not 
God's design. In fact, one of the most guilty people in all of Scripture, Paul, he murdered Christians. He had them arrested. Then he's writing the Bible. Can you imagine? He's ministering to people, to children, who he would look at and say, I put your parents in, in jail. Some of them died on my account. And I did it in the name of God. I thought I was doing God's work. And he writes this. So now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, you're guilty. But in Christ, you are not condemned. Shame does not offer that. Shame does not offer the, the idea that you're not condemned anymore. Silence does not offer that. Embarrassment, awkward moments, tension, conflict does not offer you freedom from condemnation. Only in Jesus. How did he do this? Well, it goes on. He says, he says because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Folks, the writers of the Bible did not know they were writing the Bible. They saw something happen. They saw this Jesus heal people, save people, forgive people of sins. They're still kind of like, okay, is he the Messiah? I think he's the Messiah. I'm going to put my faith in him. Then they saw him die. All hope seemed lost. But then a Sunday came and that tomb was empty and he was alive again. They were having breakfast with him and suddenly all of these things from the past became new and they said, hey, this is the Messiah. This is the one. I don't have to live like this anymore. I can be free of my shame and guilt. And Paul writes, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I got a little picture I want to sh show you. You got that picture? Yeah, who, who you're going to see this picture and is it going to come up? Who knows what this is? You know already. You know already. I got a couple people, a couple people, a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, child of the 90s, guys. We played Nintendo. We played Contra. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. You knew in Contra that, that you, you know, you couldn't beat Contra unless you had this code. And then you, were, you had this little bitty gun that you're shooting everybody with. But in Nintendo, Contra, look it up. You got the spray gun. It just sprayed bullets everywhere. And you could defeat the thing in like 10 minutes. It was the ultimate cheat code that, that we learned in Nintendo. You're like, what, what the heck is this about? Listen, you have, you have a cheat code with God. I'm sorry, I, I like that fun, but you have a cheat code with God. It's called grace. Give yourself some grace because God has, he's not condemning you. It says, for God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. This is a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the things that we have been done. So none of us can boast. Keep going. For we are God's masterpiece. For I am God's masterpiece. Say this with me, but put your name in it. For is God's masterpiece. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Because you may not have had a, a father that said this to you, and this, your heavenly father is proud of you. Whatever that is, your heavenly father chose you. He, you're his number one draft pick. You are his masterpiece. He's not ashamed of you. Okay? 
You may be ashamed. Before God, you are guilty, but not condemned. Live free. When God sees you, He does not see that. Amen. When God sees you, He does not see that. So you can't condemn yourself anymore. You are now free because of what Christ did for you to go make reconciliation for other people. I'm free of this. I own it. I did it. I want to make it right. Friends, you don't have to live like this anymore. God does not want you to live like this anymore. He loves you. And he has a plan. He said, for those who are called according to his purpose, he has a plan for you, and it's not, it's not baggage. So can we, can we take a step forward? Here's what I want to do. I know I'm kind of running over time, but that's fine. I want you to break free from this, but I want you to take a couple moments. We're going to have a song play. But this is, I'm, we're not, I want you, just you and God. I'm not, you know what that is. I don't need to know. You know what your next step is. Take a couple moments during this song, and then I'll come back on stage and I'll close this out. But just spend this time. Let the song speak over you. You do business with God, and then we'll close out. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.